Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. In this final section where God is reminding the people that even though the situation is as bleak as it could possibly be, that there's hope for the future, that God actually has a promise or a plan, and he's going to fulfill that plan. He's going to keep his promise, and he is going to restore them to their land. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 37 through 39. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So Ezekiel, as we've been making our way through it, let me remind you of kind of the breakdown. So the first 24 chapters of Ezekiel are primarily the judgments that are being pronounced on Jerusalem that they're going to be judged. They've already been partially judged. Remember, Ezekiel is a captive in Babylon, So they've already had two deportations. Ezekiel was part of the second one, but there's a third and final one coming. And so the first 24 chapters pretty much are dealing with that, predicting that, declaring to the people over and over again why that's going to happen. Of course, always giving the invitation for them to turn from their sin. And then from chapter 25 on through chapter 35, God is, through the prophet, he's pronouncing judgment on the surrounding nations. And we saw all the, the, the last one we looked at was Edom briefly, but we, we saw Tyre, we saw Egypt. And so 36, we covered 36 last week, but 36 is the sort of the beginning of the final section of Ezekiel. And it's in this final section where God is, reminding the people that even though the situation is as bleak as it could possibly be, that there's hope for the future, that God actually has a promise or a plan, and he's going to fulfill that plan. He's going to keep his promise, and he is going to restore them to their land. Now, the immediate fulfillment of that would be that after this, uh, it originally began with a 70-year captivity. It's about 50 years now from Ezekiel's time. But at the, at the end of these 50 years, they would go back into the land and God would bless them. But the, but the prophecies that we're gonna look at, they take us far out beyond that original return from the Babylonian exile They take us out to the period in history that is yet to come, the period where God will gather the nation once again back into the land. And as he brings them back into the land, he will then deal with them there. He will deal with their sin. He will deal with their enemies. And he will then set up his temple and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. So... Chapter 37, 38, and 39 are dealing with the, uh, the return to the land 
and then the conflict that takes place in the land that culminates in the people being fully restored to their relationship with God and the Lord being king over them. So chapter 37 is somewhat of a well-known chapter among those of us who have been at Calvary Chapel for many years, those of us who have uh, studied through the Bible, looking at the prophetic aspects of it. Chapter 37 is the, the prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. And so what I want us to know up front before we look at it in detail, and we're going to read through most of these three chapters because we're just doing these three. But what we need to understand is what's being described here is a, it's a process. So, so there's a moment in time, and that moment probably has already come, where God is, is bringing the people back into their land, but then there is a, a process of time before the culmination of everything takes place, before there's a full reconciliation, before David, their king, is seated upon the throne. There's a process that's going to take place. So chapter 37 kind of gives you the big picture of God bringing them back to the land and becoming king over them. But then chapters 38 and 39 actually would fit into chapter 37. So in in chapters 38 and 39, we go kind of into a deep dive into that period of time that chapter 37 describes. So let's dive in here. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. Now, remember Ezekiel many in many different places as we've gone through this book, he's having these experiences where he's sort of being transported to different locations by the spirit. And we talked about that a little bit, whether it was just a vision that he was seeing, he was like in a trance and transported like that. Just the whole thing is, is going on in a sense in his mind, but it's in the spirit God showing him. Or, you know, maybe he's literally being transformed, but it, uh, transported, but in the spirit. So here's another one of those experiences. But this time he is placed in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. So basically Ezekiel, from his point of view, it's like, of course these bones can't live. This is, you know, this is just this massive valley filled with these dry, dry bones. But Never know what God's going to do. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you you will come to life. Then you will know 
that I am the Lord. Remember that because we're going to see that over and over again in these three chapters. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So again, the ultimate outcome of everything that's said here is that the people will finally be permanently reconciled to God. That is where all of this is leading. And so I prophesied as I was commanded And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Now, stop right there for a moment. So we're going to be told in just a second, if you haven't already guessed, some of you obviously know Verse 11 just says plainly, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So this this picture of these, these scattered dry bones, this is a picture of Israel. And so he's seen Israel and he's seen them in a, a state that is a, a state of not just death, but a death that's been so long, the bones are completely dried up. He's seen an impossible situation. There's, you know, can these bones be made to live? No. How could these bones be made to live? And when you think about the history of Israel, you could see how this, this is exactly what the prophet would think. Now, in After the captivity in Babylon, as I said, in about 539, the people were freed by Cyrus to go back to the land. And they went back under the leadership of Zerubbabel, and the temple was rebuilt, and then Ezra and Nehemiah came along, and the city was restored. They, you know, had this season where they, although they weren't independent, they were, they were kind of, you know, restored to some national identity and all that. Then as, as time went on, they, they continued to, well, they continued in, in some ways just to be resistant to the Lord, harden their hearts again. Uh, but they continued to be dominated by these different world powers. And so the Persian Empire, they came back under the Persians, but then the Persian Empire was replaced by the Greek Empire. And the Greek Empire was divided up into four sections. And they were under um, kind of the dominion, in a sense, of sometimes the southern part of the Greek Empire, sometimes the northern part of the Greek Empire. They had a little bit of seeming independence. But then the Romans came along and swept them up and basically took control over the nation. And that Roman rule over them lasted until about 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So 70 AD. And it was in the late 60s AD that Jerusalem revolted against the Romans, and it was in 70 AD that the, that the city was destroyed by Titus. And there's different numbers that people give as far as the carnage and the captivity that it ensued. But, you know, some estimate that there were 
under the siege of Titus and the Romans that a million Jews were slaughtered and 100,000 were taken captive back to Rome and then dispersed and spread throughout the world. Some Jews remained in the land for a period of time. There was another revolt against the Romans in 135. And in 135, that revolt was crushed and uh, the name of the city was changed. And from 135 AD, the, the Jews were scattered literally all over the world. And that remained the case until, as we pointed out before, 1948. In 1933, the world Jewish population was, was approximately 16.6 million Jews. By the end of 1945, that number was reduced to 10 million because 6 million died in the Holocaust. Now, think about 10 million. 10 million sounds like a lot in one sense, right? But then if you think of world population, so the city of London has about 10 million people in it. The city of New York has about 10 million people in it. So that was the entire Jewish population in the world after the Second World War. And there was hardly any place in the world, with the exception of the United States, and you know, perhaps Canada and, and a few other places where Jews felt safe or they felt welcomed or they felt secure. So after the, at the end of the Second World War, this picture of this valley of dry bones would be very much descriptive of what the state of the nation was at that time. And so I do think that the, what Ezekiel is seeing is he's seeing out into the future from where he is. God's giving him a vision of the decimation of the Jewish nation and the scattering of the people at the time of the mid 20th century. And it's then that they are once again gathered back into the land. Now, Jewish immigration back to Israel had been happening for quite a few decades at this point, but it had always come up against uh, political opposition and difficulties and problems. And Jews immigrating back to the land would go back to the land under the various ruling powers. So before the First World War, they would go back and they would live there under Turkish rule the Ottoman Empire. But then after the end of the First World War, the British, they, they took over the region. So anytime after 1918, anybody immigrating to Israel was going there under British rule. So of course, from the time of Titus, and, and actually even before, because at the time of Titus, they were under Roman rule, so there had, there had not been a Jewish independent nation for just about 2,000 years. And when you read that, that history from you know, 70 AD to 1948, there are a number of books that have been written kind of just looking at the entire history of that period. 
the history of Jerusalem, for example, you, you just see how the Jews coming back into the land, it was just an utter impossibility. There, there was, it just never, ever, 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 ever could happen. And even up right, right into the very point of them finally, you know, gaining control and independence in the land, that whole battle for independence and, and all of that that took place, I mean, it's, it's just a miracle that they, they won that because they were outnumbered, they were outgunned, uh, they were outsmarted in many ways. There's so many occasions where it looked like they, they had completely lost, the cause was lost, but in the end, they gained the victory and their independence remained. So, you know, the, the battle began after the Declaration of Independence. So once they declared their independence, then the war started. And then they had to go through that season of war. And basically, the land of Israel is still in war today. So Israel has never lived from that day to this day. They've never lived in what they would consider peaceful times. They're, they're at a constant state of war. They're a constant state of alert. But they are back in the land against all the odds. But here's an interesting thing. The end of verse 8 and I, th- I think there's something to this. It talks about, you know, the tendons, the flesh appearing, the skin covering, you know, the bones came together. It says this, but there was no breath in them. There was no breath in them. And I, and I almost wonder if that is the description of the nation even now. That, you know, that, that body is there. The bones have come together, the tendons, the flesh, all of that is there but there's, there's no spirit in them. Now, the Jewish population, like I said, before the Second World War was about 16.6 million. Today, the Jewish population is about 14.7 million. So they still haven't risen back to their previous level as far as population goes. In the land of Israel today, so there's almost 15 million Jews in the world, 6 million Jews live in Israel today. And the other 9 million or so, or 8.3 million or whatever it is, they're still spread out all over the planet. But the 6 million Jews that live in the land today, the majority of them are non-religious there is a religious element. They're somewhat of a minority. But of course, their religion is Judaism. But most of the population, even still today, even though people are slowly becoming a bit more religious, most of the population has basically been secular and many just flat-out atheist. And so that would... that that idea of of there's no breath in them, that would make sense because, you know, the word breath in Hebrew means spirit also. There's no spirit in them. And so look at what verse nine says. Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. 
Then he said to me, verse 11, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. So so again, remember, there's a process here. So, and I think it's possible that that Ezekiel is revealing to us a process. So, So right now they're in that no breath state. But, There's coming a time when God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. But that's obviously the time when he brings them fully into a relationship with himself. So they are in the land by the providence of God in fulfillment of, I think, at least Ezekiel 1 through 8. And yet there's more to take place before they are brought into the covenant with the Lord. So they're in the land and they're dead. They're spiritually dead. There's no covenantal relationship between the people and God at this time, between the people nationally. Of course, there are individual Jews who believe in Jesus, the Messiah. But, but you know, Israel had this unique relationship with God that was a national relationship. And that does not exist today. But when he says, I will put my spirit in them, he's talking about them collectively. So that to me is talking about the time when they are fully reconciled to God. That's what's being prophesied here. And so the word of the Lord came, verse 15, to me, son of man, here's the second part of this, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Joseph, that is to Ephraim, and all the Israelites associated with him. Join them together into one stick so that they will become one in your hands. So remember, and we looked, we talked about these dates, 721 BC. Well, go back to the time just after Solomon. Just after Solomon, what happens? The nation divides in two. Jeroboam takes the 10 tribes and goes to the north. Uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, is given Judah and some of Benjamin. They stay in the south. So from that point forward, there are two nations. Israel is divided into two. And they remained that way. The 721, the northern kingdom was carried away into captivity. 586, the southern kingdom was carried away into captivity. But in Um, 539, when they were allowed to come back, it was really mostly the southern kingdom that returned. Although some of the northern kingdom people that were mixed within the empire would have come back, many of them were so assimilated into the other cultures, they never returned. And so what now is being prophesied is that there's coming a day when they're going to be joined together once again as one nation. So take these two sticks, one representing Judah and one representing Joseph. And they're going to be made into one. So that's the future. Join them together. And then when you're 
people ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand. Ephraim was the largest tribe of the Northern Kingdom and of the Israelite tribes associated with him and join it to Judah's stick. I will make them into a single stick of wood and they will become one in my hand. For the month of November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, Concise Responses to the Top 50 Objections and Questions by Charlie Campbell. Learn how to give a defense for the faith in a conversational style and strengthen your own confidence in the existence of God and the reliability of the Word. The book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.